hundreds of protesters who are throwing uh, rocks, bricks, the sort of stuff that they're throwing at uh, officers here. the love. That video um, is powerful because it brings us in to this reality that we find ourselves, and that is a culture of outrage. You don't have to go any farther uh, than your phone uh, or your social media channel to see that we are in a world where people are mad. It's everywhere. And I was thinking, why? Why are we in this culture of outrage? Well, there's a few reasons. One, we just saw it, exampled, that worldwide injustice is now broadcasted. You see everything that's going on in the world. It's at your fingertips. It's in your pocket. It's on your phone. And we see it. Another reason, personal values are threatened. I don't think I have to make an argument today that we live in a very politically polarized time where both right and left feel like their values are being threatened. Communities are segregated. We don't talk to each other much. We interact with each other, but we don't hear from one another. It's likely that most of us don't have friendships that go beyond how we think or vote or our skin color. It's very difficult today to actually talk to one another outside of those constraints. And so we're mad about that. We don't like that, and so it's easy to go, it's us versus them, and this is the culture we find ourselves, and it's really easy for us, right, to go, yeah, it's the culture, man, that's the problem. Like, it's all these, what's wrong with this culture? Why is it so out of control? Until you realize 
that culture is simply the corporate expression of the human heart. That's all culture is. So when you think about culture out there, really we gotta look at culture right here. As Tolstoy said, everyone thinks of changing humanity, but no one thinks of changing himself. And probably my favorite uh, quote along those lines where uh, a newspaper asked for letters to the editor in the 1800s. And the question was this, what is wrong in the world? And the great Christian writer, G.K. Chesterton, answered this question simply with, I am. Yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. And that's hard to answer that way. That what's wrong out there is really what's wrong in here. But what we're gonna see is that corporate outrage is the result of personal outrage. And it's very easy for us, especially as followers of Jesus, to point out the window. But what the Bible is calling us to do is to look right in the mirror and to say, you know what, what's wrong out there is what's wrong in here. And if we're gonna change what's going on out there, it starts with right here. And so if we're gonna talk about outrage, outrage is simply anger. And so we're gonna look at what the Bible says about anger from a chapter uh, that really is talking to a church about dealing with their own anger. And at first, it doesn't seem super helpful. I don't know if you ever read the Bible sometimes and you're like, you're looking for answers and you get more confused than when you started. Anybody like me? You're like, man, I'm supposed to be getting some help here. God, where are you? Well, that kind of gets real as we look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Because Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 is talking to us about anger. And it says this, it says, be angry, but do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. But be angry and do not sin. So is anger a sin? Yeah, but no. Well, thanks, God, for the help on anger, right? But wait, there's something deeper here. In your anger is another way of saying this, uh, translating this verse. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. So there's a type of anger that's right and good and true. And then there's a type of anger that is not right, it's not good, and it's false. And, and so what is that way of good anger? What is the right kind of anger? Well, Proverbs 16.32 talks about anger this way. It says, he who is, say the underlying word with me, slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city, and then when, when Moses prayed in the early chapters of the Bible, and specifically in Exodus 34, he said, God, I want, I want to see who you are. Like, show me your character. Show me your ways. Show me how you work. God says in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, God, is merciful and gracious. And what is he? Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, let me throw some seminary on you. You ready for this? I know it's early. Do you have your caffeine? All right, so this word slow to anger is very, it's probably my favorite Hebrew word. It literally means long of nose. All right, because in the Hebrew understanding, here's what anger was. Anger started in your guts, okay? And the more angry you got, the anger would spread upward and then it would get into your neck 
and your neck would get red and the veins would start popping out. And then the anger would get to your face and the face would get red. And then it would get to your nose. And somebody that's really angry, what would happen to their nose? Right? Nostrils flaring. So that's when full-blown anger that's like super angry, I'm ready to cry. It takes God a long time. He's got a long nose. It takes him a long time to get angry. Why? Because he's slow to anger. So God's glory is not that he doesn't get angry. It's that he's slow to get angry. So anger in its purest form has its source in God. Now, you know this if you're a parent, right? Um, if you love anything, you're going to get angry. From time to time, my kids are selfish. They get that from their mother. And so they, get, they just do crazy things. And, and so my wife and I are trying to parent our kids. We want our kids to be good kids. They want to contribute to society and, and love God. And, and, and so what do we do? Well, are we mad at our kids when they do something stupid? No, we're not really mad at them. We're mad at their choices. And so what righteous anger does in that situation is we want to eliminate the foolishness in our children, not our children. Although at times, <laughs> right? This is what the difference between unrighteous anger and righteous anger. Unrighteous anger, you want pain and you want punishment. In righteous anger, you want redemption. You want restoration. Anger is love in motion. Look no farther than Jesus. Now, it's hard to picture Jesus as angry, especially with images like this one. Very popular image of Jesus, right? He's just a sweet, homeless, Galilean peasant who walks around, you know, giving hippie advice about love and, right? Well, but, but, but that betrays the picture of Jesus that we get in the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're new with your Bible? Start there. It's about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and in Matthew, and it, Jesus calls the religious leaders snakes. And in Mark, he heals somebody, but he does it on the wrong day according to the religious leaders. And it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, he looked at them with anger. And then in Luke and John, he's turning over tables. People are just going to church. And he's turning over tables, and he's taking whips and he's whipping people in church. Aren't you glad you came today, right? That's after the service. I mean, Jesus gets angry. Why does he get angry? He's a man of love. If something that is good is threatened and you're righteous, you will get angry. And that brings us to a great definition of anger. Anger is simply this. It's a feeling of displeasure that shows itself in a desire to fight back at perceived injustice. And those words are careful. Every word, in fact, is pregnant in this definition because unrighteous anger, the injustice is perceived but not real. But in righteous anger, the injustice is both perceived and real. And so anger can be righteous or unrighteous, and I don't care what it is, anger, unrighteous, or, uh, or righteous come from two sources, which is why there's two words in the New Testament for patience. One word relates to patience with people. The other one with patience with circumstances. Those are the two sources of your anger, of my anger, people and circumstances. Circumstances get hard, we get angry. People act crazy, we get angry. 
That's where it comes from. And so, 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 so what that means is anger's in our face all the time, all the time, right there. Now, I'm, I've got this thing. I'm going to date myself. I, uh, I just got some new glasses. You like them? I don't really like them. So, um, and the reason why is they tried to convince me. I'm in that deal where it's the far away near thing. How many are that old to know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Yes. Yes. So, so, so I'm like, he's like, well, some people hold out until they're 50. I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm not gonna do the thing where you get the lower things and I thought I was being, I thought that was a good idea. Now I can't see anything and I have to take my glasses off to look up close, right? And then I have to put them on to see farther. So, so, so the, the point is, something is right there and I can't see it. Can't see it, can't read it, gotta, gotta, gotta adjust. This is what anger is like for us. Because anger in a weird way hides. It hides in our language. We say things like this. Um, I'm passionate. I'm frustrated. I'm just too direct. I just care too much. I just rock the boat. I just tell it like it is. All right, all true, and I'm sure temperamentally a lot of you are this way, so am I. But a lot of times anger is hiding out in those spots, right? Anger hides in our language. Anger, anger also hides in our family systems. See, the source of our anger is connected to people or circumstances, but the expression of our anger is conditioned by our family system. Some of you grew up in families that blew anger out. I mean, it just explosive, you know, just crazy. We had neighbors like this. They moved in. They were the most fun family. They had four kids. And literally, I remember walking in the house one time. I walked in the, like the, the threshold of the door, and all of a sudden, I see this plate whipping by my head against the wall. And it really wasn't even a bad fight. They weren't even throwing at each other, just the wall, making a point. This was this family, always yelling, always bombastic. That's just how their family dealt with anger. Now juxtapose that to my sweet, gentle grandma. Grew up in the Great Depression. Husband left her, raised five kids. I mean, the epitome of patience. Until one day, me and my cousin Carmen we're eating these chocolate-covered Twinkies called Chocodiles. Anybody that old? Chocodiles? On her brand-new green shag carpet, 1975. Brand-new, green. Do we have... I, I couldn't find exactly, but it's... it's <laughs> this color here. Just kind of a mix here between... And my cousin, she had it all over her mouth and her hands, and she, she thought it would be a good idea. It looked like, it looked like a napkin, a green, green, fuzzy napkin. So she grabbed, and my grandma came in and just lost her cookies and said words that I, know, I did not know grandmother knew, right? But she, grandmother pushed her anger down, right? And that's, that's how that side of the family was taught to deal with anger. My dad's side, like my neighbors, blow it out, or shut it down. How many grew up in a blow it out family, maybe? Yeah. How many grew up in a push it down, shove it down family? Yeah, a lot of us. Usually goes one way or the other. Um, here's the reality. We're all angry. It's in our face. We're all doing something with our anger. Anger. So I want you to think about this question. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? I don't know about you, but for me, one of the things that makes me angry on a consistent basis is bad customer service. 
why does the barista have to have such an attitude? It's just coffee. It's not that hard, right? Why do I have to be literally on the phone a couple of days ago on hold for 20 minutes trying to get a hotel receipt that I just stayed in this hotel? Meanwhile, I'm getting 15 emails asking me to rate their service. True story. Pushy salespeople. I hate, I hate bad customer service. I really believe in the ancient business axiom that goes uh, like this, finish it. The customer is always what? The customer is always wicked. The answer is wicked. The customer is always, but no, it's right. We're right. We're wicked, but we're right. All right? That's the kind of stuff where my ear comes out. I remember a few years ago, I was on an airplane. It was right when Wi-Fi first came out on the airplanes, back when it actually worked well. Um, but, but it had just come out, and I was real excited about that. And so I had my laptop out and, and you know, ready to go. And, and the, the, the waitress comes, uh, the um, stewardess, sky waitress, uh, stewardess comes by. And uh, that's what they are, sky waitresses. I just thought of that, like, that they really are. They're, like, serving us. But um, anyway, hope that doesn't offend anybody that works for Delta. But um, listen, she asked, she asked very kindly, what would you like to drink? And I said, I want water, no ice, and lime. And she's like, oh, I can do that. And I said, great. So we come back, and I'm a little bit distracted. I got my headphones on. I'm working on something, probably a sermon. And she comes back with um, all ice, no lime, no water. And I wasn't really paying attention. You know, I just kind of take it. And then I look, and I'm like, what? Two-hour flight, I am mad the entire flight because some turbulence thing happens, and we don't get to get reserved. I, I can't interact with her. And I remember just thinking, I am just angry. I mean, I'm in, I'm in a metal tube, 187,000 pounds, flying through the air, two hours instead of driving 15 hours, enjoying God's creation. It was one of those flights where the clouds looked like you could just kind of fall and lay on. Like, it was beautiful. But I can't get over the fact that she couldn't get it right that's what makes me angry. Not poverty. <laughs> not violence. I mean, those things upset me, but, but, but I wonder, what are you embarrassed about that makes you angry? Where do you notice your anger showing up that you don't really want to tell it in front of 15,000 people like I'm doing right now? Like, where is that? See, anger comes when, when things aren't as they should be. That's when we get mad. And, and really, that's what's going on in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is in uh, prison writing this letter, and he's mad, probably, because he's been mistreated. He's in there. Um, you know, the thing about following Jesus, and we believe this, right, that uh, following Jesus will bring you forgiveness and peace and happiness, and all that is true. But Jesus will also mess with your life. I mean, our logo is a cross, Right? There's some suffering involved. And so Paul is suffering for his faith. He's got a guard chained to him in all likelihood. He, um, he's writing this, this, this text, and he's got a vision for anger that's a little bit different than maybe how we grew up. Remember, one way to, to, to do anger, you, you, you got this from your family probably, I did too, you blow it out, quick-tempered, explosive anger, or you push it down, that's grudge-inducing uh, bitterness, anger, but Paul's vision is, as we're going to see, it, it, it's not blow it out, it's not push it down, it's actually pull it up. 
pull it up. Source the root of your anger and then remove it. Now, why was Paul talking about anger? I'll tell you why. Because he's been a church member. Some of you didn't know you were angry until you came to church. You know, because you get out of your family and you kind of get on with your life and you kind of pick your friends, can't you? But then you come to church and guess what? You don't get to pick your friends. That person sitting beside you, you didn't plan that probably or near you. They're just there. And then you might get in a small group with them and guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna annoy you, right? They're gonna make you angry because they don't vote like you, right? They don't think like you do. They have different opinions on on different things. And so you're not gonna like that because a lot of times we're not used to that. The church kind of brings out anger in us because we get next to people, right? Just look, at, just look at your neighbor and say, you're probably gonna make me mad. Just look at him and say, it's probably gonna happen. You're probably gonna make me mad one day. Yeah, so, so this is what's happening in the church. This is what's happening in the church, specifically around an issue um, that's a little bit unusual. And it took me years actually reading this passage to understand what was going on. But let me show you this. Let's look in verse 28, Ephesians 4, 28. Ephesians 4, 28 says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, if you read chapter four, this looks really weird. What is he talking about? What he's saying, I think, is there was a guy in the church, probably, who had taken benevolence from the church, probably because of some physical need or some relational trauma. Something had happened where this person, and it was a him, could not work And so the church was helping him. And the church does that. The church helps people. This is good. But now he's becoming a freeloader. He could work, but he's not. And he keeps taking money from the church, and the church people are angry, as they should be, because Paul rebukes him. So what happens when you're angry? What happens when you feel taken advantage of? What happens if there's something unjust. How do you know if there's anger in your heart? All you got to do is pay attention to the words of your mouth. Next verse. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Why would they need to not let corrupting talk come out of their mouth? Because they're mad at this guy. But only such is good for building up. This fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who heal. Here, Paul's coaching them to deal with their anger. Discern the anger in your heart by watching the words that come out of your mouth. When we give in to unrighteous anger, our speech gets corrupted. You say, I don't know if that's true. Look at your Facebook comments. Why don't comment on Facebook? Look at what you wanted to say on Facebook. Think about your thoughts. All of this corrupted talk comes from and contributes to a corrupted heart, which disconnects us from God. Next verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All kinds of theology and interesting thing going, going on in, in, in Ephesians 4, but at the end of the day, he's walking the church through why anger will destroy their spiritual life. When you and I give in to unrighteous anger, we grieve the Spirit of God. 
The Spirit of God is given to us. We give our life to Jesus. He takes our sin. He gives us his Spirit. And what his Spirit does is he empowers us and he convicts us. And when we give into unrighteous anger, we grieve him, which means we hurt his feelings because he's a person. We, we, we resist his influence. Anger disconnects us from God's spirit. Anger exposes us to God's enemy. Back in verse 27, Paul says, give no opportunity for the devil. The word opportunity is the word for room. It's like a, it's like a, like a room, right? So, so when you and I give in to unrighteous anger, we don't just open a door to the enemy for him to walk through, right? We, we, we actually build him a room in our heart. It's like, come on in, man. I'm kind of bored, devil. Talk to me. I mean, I know we deal with loneliness, but listen, find a better friend. Because all he's going to do is lie and deceive and accuse. Why? Because we've not dealt with our anger. And he's, and he's there, and he wants to teach us two ways to deal with our anger. And it sounds very familiar. He wants to teach us to blow it out or to push it down. He don't want us to pull it up. He don't, because he knows if we stay angry, we will be ineffective. He knows if we stay angry, it'll harm our relationships. He knows if we stay angry, we will be off mission. And so he lies. And so Paul's like, listen, I, I, you gotta deal with this. Next verse, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. What are, do those words mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. One by one, bitterness. Bitterness is this idea that you push stuff down, but then all this stuff is coming up in your thoughts through anger fantasies. You ever have anger fantasies? You just picture yourself telling that person off. That's an anger fantasy. You picture, like, laying hands on them in a very unbiblical manner, that's an anger fantasy. Okay. You picture them getting humiliated, them getting busted, them, that's an anger fantasy. I'm not angry. Look at your fantasies. Right? If those are going on all the time, you've got some bitterness. You've pushed it down. All right, next word, wrath. This is the demand for immediate justice. Certainly we work for justice, and don't hear what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying we don't, as Dr. King and so many others, we work for equality and race and, and gender and all these things that are hot-button issues in our culture of outrage. It's not like we go, oh, we don't worry about that. I'm just going to worry about my heart, Jesus. No, Jesus wants us to worry about the culture, but we can't demand immediate justice. We work for justice but we can't demand it. And when you demand it, justice now, you're off mission. And you say, well, I don't know if I have wrath. Well, follow your resentment. What do you resent? What, what makes you resent, full of resentment? And, and you're gonna discover your wrath. And then it's just the word anger, but it's this idea, the specific word means um, you kind of feel inconvenienced all the time. 
You kind of feel entitled, and so you're mad when your, your needs aren't met like you think they should be. Life owes you, but it's not paying. That's anger. Clamor, that's just simply whining. Wah, 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 wah. Why doesn't this? Why don't, you know? Slander, that's when you harm the reputation of others with your words. You, you um, assume their motives and say, well, of course they're doing this because of this. That's slander. Malice, that's like um, you're just kind of comfortable with your anger. You're just kind of settled in with your anger. You've kind of embraced it. This is just who I am. These are the chronic, chronically negative people. You know anybody that's like chronically negative? I, I mean, they're always taking the other side. They're always the devil's advocate, as if the devil needs an advocate. Well, I just like to push against the status quo. No, you're just chronically negative. What's that about? Well, I'm just prophetic. We have all these great words we use in the church. Well, I'm just, okay, now you're a jerk. Why? Because you've let anger invade every, and you don't know how not to be negative. What do you do with all this stuff? My argument is this, we're all angry, and we're all doing something with our anger. So what do you do? Anger is usually tied, not always, but a lot of times to unforgiveness. This is Paul's Logic, next verse, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, he's specifically talking about this dude from the church who's the freeloader, but it's more than that. <clears throat> because some of us are mad at people. There is a person. When I say bitterness, anger, when I say anger fantasy, you have a name, you have a face, it's in your mind. And what forgiveness does is it says, you know what? I'm not gonna give in to the enemy. I'm gonna close that door. I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock that wall. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna fill that room up with something else. I'm gonna kick him out. But it also closes the account of the debtor. You don't owe me anymore. I forgive. I'm gonna give you what you don't deserve, which is grace. It's funny, when we're in unforgiveness, we, want, we, we never think about that we need forgiveness, which is why Paul kind of goes there. It's like the power here is you gotta realize you've been forgiven, right? But we want, we want grace for ourselves and law for everybody else. We want mercy for us and justice for everybody else. Paul says, listen, no, 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 you got it backwards. You gotta realize your own dark side. Regularly, inter you struggle with forgiveness? Regularly interact with your own dark side. So I don't, I'm not sure if I have a dark side. Ask your spouse. Talk to your small group. That's gonna give you the power to forgive other people. Some of you are mad at circumstances. Cancer, job loss, relational disconnect that's not super personal, just kind of a situational thing, right? Here's the thing, who controls circumstances? Well, I don't know if God caused that, or if he allowed that, if he permitted that, if he ordained that. Listen, I don't know how to parse all that out but I know he's not stopping it. So he's working in it. So direct your anger where it is. It's not at circumstances, it's at God. Because he's not doing what you think he should do. He's not healing you. He's not promoting you. He's not fixing your marriage. 
So you can't deal with anger if you don't know who it's directed at. And I know that's hard to say. I'm mad at God. Hey, that's a great starting point. A lot of people in this book were mad at God. And a lot of times when you say, I'm mad at God, that is actually your opportunity to meet God. A lot of you guys are mad at yourself. That's called condemnation and guilt and shame where you direct everything. I blew it. If I could have done this, if I, listen, Darren, I'm just not what I ought to be. Yeah, but you're not what you used to be. And you're not what you're gonna be. So why are you so focused on your failure right now? He's gonna grow you out of that. If he's not taking you out of the circumstance, that means he is gonna love you through it. You say, well, I just really messed up. Listen, yeah, me too. And everybody that's ever walked with Jesus. So don't be mad at yourself. Listen, give yourself grace and realize he's not done. He's not done. Now, I said there's two sources to anger. There's people and then there's circumstances. There's people and then there's circumstances. So what I want us to do, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about people and I want you to think about circumstances. And some of you have these people over here. These people, these people, these people, right? Who are, the, who are your people? You say, well, I've forgiven them. You never forgive anyone. Did you know that? You never do. You're always forgiving them if they really hurt you. I'm talking if you really got hurt. I'm not talking about the dude cuts you off in traffic. Oh, I'm sorry, okay, okay, all right. No, I'm saying you really get wounded, it's not a one-time deal, is it? You gotta do it over and over and over. So you may have forgiven them, but you need to still forgive them. Or maybe you've just never thought about it. Maybe today for the first time, somebody came in your head and you're like, oh my goodness, I have to deal with that. So that person, who is that? Maybe it's a circumstance over here. Maybe it is a health thing, a job thing. I don't know what, but, but you, you have kind of, you're realizing you've got some anger. So it's a, it's a circumstance. So, so um, a few years ago, I got to um, do indoor skydiving. Now, I would not do outdoor skydiving, right? Um, I have four kids and a brain, so I'm not gonna do that. But indoor skydiving is this big fan. Has anybody done it? Raise your hand. Isn't it the coolest? It's this big fan thing, and you're in like this flying suit thing with a helmet, and you like hover over this deal, and, and you rise up into the tomb, probably as tall, you know, 30, 40 feet up in the air. Um, and they tell you, you gotta kinda cup your hands to catch the wind. So you're like trying to hold that thing down, and they're like, if you got shoulder problems, you can't do it, right? So you gotta hold it down. Now, I want you to think about your anger as something you're holding down with your hands, people, circumstances. And you're trying to hold it down and you've been trying your whole life, and it's not coming down. See, just like my grandma, one day you're gonna blow. I don't care how much you push it down. I don't care how much you repress it and suppress it. It's coming out. So why not let it go? So I want you to bow your heads. And in your left hand, I want you to think about those people, and I want you just like you're on that indoor skydiving, uh, skydiving thing, I want you to think about all the pressure, all the, all 
the weight the, of that wind just pushing the, against your hand. You're like, you've, you've held on to that person and, and they're in your head and, 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 and you've forgiven them and forgiven them and forgiven them, but, but, but they, they're still there and you still remember those words and, and you've got that in your hand right now. You've got it in your hand. And maybe it's a circumstance and, and you don't understand why God did this and you're not sure why this, this health thing doesn't get healed and, and why this, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's in your hand. You feel that wind blowing up and, and I want you to just picture yourself just holding on to that. You can barely hold on to it. And there's a reason you can barely hold your hands like in trying to hold, because God doesn't want you to do that. So on the count of three, I want you just to Raise your palms to the sky and let go of that anger and let go of that bitterness. One, two, three. Lord, we give you our anger and our bitterness right now. We give it to you and we ask you to pull it up by the root in the name of Jesus. Pull it up by the root, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Free us from unrighteous anger so that, Lord, we can go out into this world and bring healing and peace and justice in Jesus' name, amen.